as Shirley said, it's not actually us, but please keep in prayer our dear brothers and sisters over there who are actually doing the work. It's, it's them who, who need so much prayer. They're amazing people, amazingly mature Christians who really have a battle on their hands and, and we honor them in the work that they do. In the center of our mission house, um, it's almost as big as the entirety there, our main hall, we have a pillar. It wasn't meant to be one. It was meant to be a, a range of them. But when we sent over the plans, due to bits and bobs, we ended up with one upon which the entire roof hangs. <laughs> and the first time I went over there, we'd had issues about the walls, but we hadn't really fo focused on the pillars. So I went in and there was this one tree trunk going up and I looked and I thought, gosh, because when it rains, it's up to half a ton of water that hits it almost immediately. And I'm looking at this thing. And Marcus, who's such a, uh, you can read me like a book, he said, it, it's okay. And I, I said, is it? And uh, he said, yes, it is. The pillar is made from iron wood, which you can't even hammer into it. It's so, it's so strong. And it sits in a bitumen-wrapped polythene upon a four-foot block of concrete with four tons of granite chips shipped from elsewhere in the country because it's just sand in that area. So a four-foot block with granite chips and then a steel structure and then this bitumen-painted tree trunk in plastic sat in a steel structure and the whole thing encased in three-foot of concrete across the 30-foot span with steel around the whole thing. I was persuaded that the foundation was sure and it was. Marcus knew what that pillar had to do and he knew the forces that would be exerted on it and what he could reasonably build upon it. And those two things define a sure foundation. The adversity that comes against it and what you can build up upon it. In the UK, we call them a soul plate that underpins a building. Sounds like I'm an architect, but I'm not. But a soul plate, and it's an interesting, it's S-O-L-E as in the sole of a shoe. But the first time I heard it, I thought that the function of a builder, a soul plate, I thought it's such a spiritual term to underpin something. So I was thinking S-O-U-L. But that soul plate is the structure upon which all the beams of a medieval house would rest. And when the soul plate goes, the house comes down because there was no concrete 500 years. Well, there was, but not in this country. So everything had to be on packed earth. So the soul plate and the expansion of it and the size of it was the, the most important thing. And it would rot because it was wood. Let us turn in our Bibles to Isaiah 28, 16. Just two passages. That in a sense affirm each other. Isaiah 28, 16 and a bit of 17. And then 1 Peter 2, 4 verse 8 therefore thus saith the Lord God behold I lay in Zion for a foundation a stone a tried stone 
a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Judgment also will I lay to the line, and a righteousness to the plummet. A tried stone, a precious stone, a sure foundation. Just keep your fingers there and flick to 1 Peter 2, 4. Reading to verse 8. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. Elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. God had laid a foundation stone, reverentially, sovereignly, and still does so. The whole concept of laying a foundation stone, in a sense, has come through the word of God into popular culture. You see an evening, you know, local newspapers, the topping out ceremony, the laying of a foundation stone, because it represents the first investment of a building upon which everything else is going to be placed. And curiously, Satan has recognized, I think, the biblical precept of that procedure because it's incalculated into Masonic ritual now where many of the Masons are doing that. And it was curious how something which is pure and holy has been corrupted in that way and pulled away. But I want to come back to what God had intended the qualities of a foundation stone have to be exact. You don't just take any old stone. It must have quality. The corner of Solomon's temple and Western Wall is estimated to be over 100 tons. One of the stones is still there. 100 tons. Colossal. Colossal. Why? Because, again, you need to know what you're going to build upon it. The stronger and the more powerful and the more uh, durable the foundation stone, the greater, the more extravagant ed edifice you can build upon it. And also, the better it's placed and the, and the more precise it's placed, the more force can be railed against it and it will stand. 
And it's curious that God's law, as we see often in life, is the inverse, isn't it? Because the foundation stone, on the whole, you don't tend to see because it's under the ground. It's hidden. And normally, an, an architect and a civil engineer would choose a stone that is precise of granite. It's not going to be an amalgam of, of sedimentary rock or something that's going to be worn away first. It's going to be something igneous and strong. And yet God chooses the stone that the builders have rejected. That's why he's chosen us here, the foolish things. It's curious the sat-nav took us along country lanes and one-way tracks. I don't know where it was going. I put it in twice thinking, is this the right way? And it was winding around housing estates all over the shop. It really was the narrow way. And then finally, the little flag of Court Farm Church. I thought, praise God, we're finding it here. And it's, it's like that, isn't it? Something pure and, and righteous and something you, you yearn for that is true is pretty hard to find at the best of the times. And I thank God for the sat-nav, otherwise we'd be all over the shop. But God's inverse law, a little church hidden away by a wreck up a passageway when you think it's actually a doctor's surgery, yet the house of God is to be found there, not up on the high street. It's the inverse law of God, isn't it? It's the inverse law. And again, also, when you think of a stone, a stone is by definition dead. It's inanimate. It, has, it is just a weight that sits there. But God refers to the living stones of his church, the complete inverse of what you would expect to take something inanimate and make it alive, which is what he did with us, of course. The stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. So let's just go back to Isaiah 28, 16. Those three points I just want to dwell shortly on. A tried stone, a precious cornerstone, and a sure foundation. And when we think of Christ, that stone which the builder rejected, who became the foundation stone, the cornerstone, and indeed of our lives, not for the individual as well as the church, we think he was tried. He was tried in every way, as a foundation stone should be. When we think in Matthew 4 of Satan tempting him in every possible way as a human can be tempted with food, with power, with changing affections and loyalties, those things which are common to all of us, sensual things, the pride of life, all things which are common to us were thrown at Jesus Christ by Satan. And yet he resisted. He was tried, tested, and passed that test. He was tested by man, repeatedly. Even as he was hanging upon the cross, the thief said, well, you can get yourself down. You don't have to be here. Even to that point, at the extremists of the crucifixion, he was being tempted by the, by the man on the next cross. 
right the way up to the end. And in a sense, God tried him as well to see if he could be trusted with the elect, with the birth of the church, with those who he would call out unto himself. On every angle, Jesus was tried and found to be sufficient, a sure foundation. In Gethsemane, he was tried such that he sweated blood with choices all the time. Tried, but the path was narrow and he made it. And curiously, if one thinks beyond that, he is the stone, the tried stone, upon which we are tried as well. The stone of trial, upon which we will either be broken or it will break us. So there's a double meaning within that. But then we also have the precious stone. Jesus Christ is the precious stone. Think of Matthew 13, 45, about the, buying the, bur, the pearl of great price, where the merchant man seeking godly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all. You can't buy half of Christ. It demands all of us, as the hymn says, demands my soul, my life, my all. It's very, Christianity is binary, very much so. It's all or nothing. And God help us when we want a bit of the world and a bit of the church, because oil and water do not mix. The treasure in the field, he went and sold all to buy the field. Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation any other, for there is none other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. So again, precious also indicates exclusive as well. If something is precious, it's not going to be common, is it? And there's effort to get it as well. You, you don't pick up an oyster and get a pearl out of it easily. And then you think, just a final example of this, you think of Paul, the servant Paul. His, his testimony of finding that precious pearl, of, of finding salvation, of completeness within Christ, yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Not only that, but when he reflects on that, he counts them as dung. I mean, there's nothing more adversary than you would think of that. Jesus Christ is a precious stone, a foundation stone, a tried stone, but also a cornerstone. Now, what is a cornerstone? A cornerstone in a building, if you look at it, it joins two angles. And we have to think of the Jew and the Gentile mitring them in together. Bringing us together as a one in Christ. The cornerstone links the walls. How often we've been in, in Africa and we've been shown a building and it's brand new and I look at it and I thought there's two breeze blocks coming up and they're just abutting each other. Built on a few inches of of cement. The next year you come and they're just like that. They've split. 
because there's no mitering in at the corner. The cornerstone joins those two. Two diametrically opposed angles and directions, bringing them together, linking them, upon which you can build up. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. To build a cornerstone, as it says in Zechariah 4.10, but also in Isaiah 28.16, as we've just spoken of, you lay the plummet, the plumb line, as Zerubbabel. I love that idea that utter perfection is achieved by a piece of string and a weight. It's just brilliant, isn't it? There's no ingenuity of man about that because God has provided the calculus which is gravity and you just hang it there and God defines it perfectly you don't have to do anything no scheme of man and when you lay the plummet line against the cornerstone you will have the right angle and perfection in the building with nothing else at all and interestingly Psalm 144 Verse 12, that our daughters may be as cornerstones, polished after the similitude of a palace. What a great line is that. I wish it was sons as well, because I haven't got a daughter. But I'm sure it applies to sons as well, although I think they're referred to as flowers or something. But I'm going for, I'm going for the polished cornerstone. To polish a cornerstone is not easy either. It needs a lot of effort, and you need to have the benchmark upon which that line is going to be, where you're going to polish it back to, to get that line. And that is the Holy Spirit, is it not? The inward working of the Holy Spirit that refines us and grinds us and gets those edges off us until we put the plumb line down and we fall in line with our chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, our our Saviour. And there's a lot of dust involved and a lot of grit and a lot of noise and a lot of stress to get that down. And all of us here have experienced that, that grinding. And we were talking about our, our dear friend in, in the Delta. It's a lonely time to be tried, as, as John was referring, yeah, 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 yes, today when he was preaching. To be refined by, to go through that refining fire is not an easy time. Interestingly, when you put a crane up, something else I didn't know, but YouTube is a wonderful thing. I don't know if other people like heavy engineering fails, but I do. But, but when, when you put up a crane, the concrete that the stand of the crane is put into has to be exact because of the forces exerted upon it. So elements of the concrete are taken away and analysed to check that it can be crushed, whatever you do. And that, I felt, is so apposite for the cornerstone upon which we build our lives that we, we test the word of God all the time. We're constantly saying, can this be true? Can I rely upon this? Is it reliable? It's nice to think that Jesus Christ is a pure and precious cornerstone, but we still take a little bit away and test it all the time, don't we? Think, well, in this situation, it's not going to work. Christ is not going to come through. Can we rely with that small faith? But I love the line 
of that man who said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Honest. I love that honesty because I resonate with that great, greatly. I believe and I will build upon this rock my life, which is Jesus Christ. But there's a humanity in me that falters at times. But I know that he is sufficient, for greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, and his strength is made perfect in my weakness, and I will rejoice in my weakness, because he is sufficient. All in all, Christ, our sure foundation. Just to spend a couple of, I'm conscious of time. A rock. The, the word rock, stone, is something which in biblical times people would have understood because it was the foundation for everything. And the writers of the word of God uses the, the metaphor of a rock in so many beautiful ways. When even we go back, of old, thou hast laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens of the work of thy hands in psalmist, as the psalmist saying, knowing that God actually has created everything. So that substance which has come from the creation itself is divinely made. It's, it's, it's an acceptable, non-man-made basis for, for everything. But I just want to take you through a few things of what a rock actually is seen in the word of God, how it, it's seen. Deuteronomy 32.4, he is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment, a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. 1 Samuel 2.2, there is none holy as the Lord. For there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. God is a rock, perfect, true, without iniquity, just, right, holy, and there is none other. But the rock is also a place of refuge as well, as Psalm 94 says. Psalm 27 as well. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. A refuge of strength. Psalm 61. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. A place of refuge. A place of salvation in Psalm 89. It's a victorious rock. Matthew 16. That thou art Peter and upon this rock will I build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The rock is holy, righteous, true, precious, elect. And it's victorious. There is victory in the rock, the foundational rock of Christ. And we confirm as believers in Christ that Jesus is a precious and a sure foundation 
the scriptures tell us so individually within each covenant but then as we saw in Isaiah perfectly mirrored and fulfilled in 1 Peter there is proof positive and across the 1500 years of writing the Bible the authors agree on this the sovereignty, the holiness and the perfection of the Lord himself now we come to how this is applicable because it's all the Bible is an incredibly practical book I found it to be so so much it's still got engine oil on from out in Nigeria it's just it's like the Haynes manual for life which must be kept at all times but it doesn't change and this is the is the nub of what I'm trying to get to I presented the fact that like a foundation stone you don't just go back and say do you know what we're going to change the foundation stone there's not an engineer in his, in his right mind who would think of doing that because it will tear the building down and yet we're seeing it happen the whole time Malachi 3.6 for I am the Lord I change not a very short but incredibly profound statement from the words of the Lord himself we cannot therefore do what God is not prepared to do he is the same yesterday today and forever and he states I change not how can he what will he change into he is God He's at the beginning and end of time. He is complete in himself. There is nowhere else to take him. No way of redefining himself. And therefore, you cannot change that foundational stone that I'm talking about. You cannot tear it out of a building because in doing so, you tear the building down. And yet it is amazing how we see rapidly the foundation stone of the Christian faith being torn out did you know that last year in the Synod of the Church of Scotland a motion was passed to say that the Bible is no longer the basis of the, of the Church of Scotland, that it was written for a certain time and now we have to rely on the philosophy and science of man which is relevant to the 21st century. In the Synod of the Church of Scotland if that isn't ripping out the cornerstone, I can't think of anything else. But you know what is even more incredible? People are still going to the Church of Scotland. I mean, it's madness, isn't it? Madness. They should be walking out, saying this is heretical, blasphemous. The door should be shut and padlocked. Why are they not? because the majority of social clubs doing excellent humanitarian work to the elderly providing a social basis which is highly admirable and needed but it's not a church it's not a church you cannot change a foundation stone by definition it's the whole thing on which the, the building is built upon you can change the tiles anytime you want 
but not the foundation stone. I was talking to a receptionist last week and she was interested in, in the work and you know why and it was just sort of haphazard conversations but she sent me an email after we had quite a long conversation about faith and she said I've got her email here even the Bible I find questionable as it has been edited and recently found out men voted on what well hand into it here's the line not only that but it's very old fashioned in lots of ways I mean bless her she's not saved and she was the only one even interested having the conversation so I thank God for that that it's a dialogue to have but that demonstrates just a vignette of how it is in life it's old fashioned well I'm sorry but if most people like old buildings, you don't say, well, this building's a bit old-fashioned. Let's you know, take out the cor cornerstone and put in some new high-tensile concrete in instead because that bit of sandstone's a bit old-fashioned for my liking. <laughs> you don't, do you? It's very old-fashioned in lots of ways. Well, the human body's pretty old-fashioned, but it's not had a lot of updates. But it's coming. And then we think of what Paul had to endure. There's nothing new under the sun, is there? Because when he preached, what he preached was found to be unacceptable by the people. I cannot imagine the arguments in the Agora in, in, in Athens. Plying truth in the face of the arrogant philosophies of the Greeks. And they must have been quite tough to argue against. Did he bow down? Did he change his, his, his approach? No, he kept it up. He just kept it up and he got in trouble. But he had truth on his side and truth is non-negotiable. If I drop a ball, it's gonna hit the floor. I cannot renegotiate that transaction. We preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Jews foolishness. Or you can substitute Jews for the contemporary world. But it was not always so. We just sung, and again, you've stole my, what I was saying, but great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. When we sang that, I thought, it's so true. And that is so affirmative, isn't it, as we sing it. Thy compassion they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. True preaching of the word will manifest the truth. It must do. And that truth will either do, it will do one of two things. It will either save or condemn. It cannot do anything else. And that is the nature of the foundational truth of Jesus Christ as a, as a stumbling block or as a refuge. It will either save or break you. It cannot do anything else. Romans 9. 
33. Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. And whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. I was driving past uh, a floor showroom uh, the, the other day and I couldn't help but laugh at the banner. It said, New Year, New Floor. And I, I thought, what nonsense. I mean, really? New year, new cornerstone. Because that's what we live in. You know, everything, you rip it up and start again. Everything is temporary. New year, new floor. I mean, it could have read, new year, new gospel. Because actually, that's actually what is happening. Yes. You know, you look at Purpose Driven. It was flying off the bookshelves 15 years ago. Flying off. It's not so much now because something else has taken its place. Thankfully, I don't know what because I'm not on the booking. But I know other things have. Spurgeon, what a great... Uh, his quotes are fantastic. And this one I love. Those who thus veil an unwelcome truth, imagine that they make disciples, whereas they are only paying homage to unbelief. And men, in their rejection of divine propitiation for sin, whatever the preacher may mean in his heart, he will be guilty of the blood of souls if he does not clearly proclaim a real sacrifice for sin. Beautiful, beautiful, nails it. You can sell a different gospel. You can sell different, look at all the issues in the building industry with concrete that's insufficient. You have to rip the building down because it's not the right foundation. There was a story you may have seen in the news a couple of weeks ago about a man who went up on New Year's Day on Snowden and he took a torch and bits and bobs and then the fog came down he stumbled about and got lost and then he phoned his wife to say I'll, I'll be home tomorrow I'm going to shelter in the cleft of a rock and I'll be alright because I've got a few bits and bobs but his wife quite rightly phoned the mountain rescue team who came and collected him and he was almost dead of exposure. What foolishness that he had built his own foundation. And we read that in Isaiah, don't we? In that day a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they made each one for himself to worship, to the moles and the bats, to go into the clefts of the rocks and into the tops of the ragged rocks for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he ariseth to shake terribly the earth. Do you think hiding in the cleft of the rock is going to save them from the judgment of God? No. Just as that man on Snowden, he looked at the rock and thought it's strong, it's fine, it's sufficient. Wrong sort of rock, wrong context. It's not a basis for a life and it certainly isn't a basis for survival. When Jesus writes... Uh, when Moses uh, is writing in Exodus 
And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face thou shalt not be seen. When we let God put us in the right cleft and protect us, when we allow him to put us on the right foundation, we have a surety and we have confidence to stand and declare the truth of Jesus Christ in our life. And again, we see the duality of God in that passage because we yearn to see the glory of God. And God says, you cannot see the glory of God, but I will bring you close. There's a mixture of concealment and revelation that is so characteristic of God, of suffering and blessing. As John was talking yesterday, there are times when you go away and, and pray for an inter intimacy with God, and it's like praying against a brass ceiling where you, nothing comes of it. You think, well, what was the point in that? And you are so right. The blessing is delayed because you have struck a closer walk with God. But why should he answer you on your terms? He has heard your heart's cry that you want a closer walk with him. But he lets you just have a bit of distance. The blessing will come, but in his time. Our God is a God of mixture. The attracting opposites and concealment and revelation. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Just in closing. In Isaiah 8, <clears throat> you don't have to turn, turn there, I think it's 13. In summarizing, what am I saying? I'm saying that the word of God changes not because it is the expression of God himself, his character. Therefore, we do not have permission or the latitude to change any aspect of it. And in doing so, it will put us in conflict with the world because the world is changing the whole time and truth is relative. And therefore, we have to decide on what to base our, our lives, our faith. And it must be on that foundation of Jesus Christ. And that comes at a price, because heavy engineering is not easy to do. And building cornerstones is not easy to do. And sourcing the materials is not easy to do. And pearls are not easy to find. You, we've been through all of this. But it's to affirm that foundation within our life of Christ, as Shirley was talking about in the mission. Those two things, to know what our foundation is capable of protecting us from and upon which we're able to build a life that is celebratory, that allows us to be built in the way that he wants to build us, to fashion us as living stones, to be placed into that building which is being built. And that is the true church of God, the true church of Christ, fashioned our lines of each brick 
Each stone that defines who we are by the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, refining us and grinding off the edges. It doesn't mean we, as the world thinks, that we are uniform. Go to a fossil shop and see when they've polished off a, a stone as hard as flint and you see all the patterns of fossils in it. Everyone is unique, it's different, but it's just as hard as each other and it can be fashioned in the same shape but each one is uniquely, wonderfully and fearfully made and that is the true church of Christ. The believing fear of God sorry, I'm reading that in Isaiah sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear and let him be your dread and he shall be for a sanctuary but for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offence to both the houses of Israel, for a gin and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. Let us be those who fall upon that rock, that he would re refashion us. And against this I found a quote, but I didn't say who it was from. I'd like to attribute it to myself, but it's not. It's too profound. The believing fear of God is a special preservative against the disquieting fear of man. It's a good quote. If anyone can find it, let me know. No other foundation stone will do. No substitute material will be accepted. On Jesus Christ, the rock I stand, all else is sinking sand. Amen.